Matthew chapter 21, verses 13. And he said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of preaching, a house of miracles, a house of joy. It is all of those things. But all of those things flow from his primary intention, which is to make his house a house of My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. James chapter 5, verses 16, reading from the Amplified Version. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, the very things we try to hide. And pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man or woman makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Everyone say the earnest, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. And one more scripture and we'll read this and I'll let you be seated and we'll jump in. Matthew chapter 6 Verses 5 through 14, this is Jesus uh, teaching on prayer. He said, when you pray, uh, notice he didn't say if you pray, uh, because he assumes that we will. It may say when you pray. So Jesus says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Be seated, because I, I, I might stop in some places here and there. So I can't get away from that when you pray part. When you pray, it's not as if Jesus is saying when you pray because you're supposed to do it. I think what he's saying is when you pray me is an acknowledgement of deity who knows all things that everybody is praying whether we realize it or not. Life has a way of getting the prayer out of you. How many of you found that? I'm going to tell you, I don't care what type of atheist you call yourself. Get yourself in the toughest, uh, at a tough situation. You'll be crying out to somebody. And so it's like Jesus is saying, when you pray, because I know that you will. I know that there'll be a moment in your life where the pressure will be so tough that even if it is by yourself, when no one else is listening, I hear that you are crying out for someone. For something. And what Jesus is saying here is, not if you pray, but I know you're going to pray. When you pray, I want you to pray effectively. Which uh, implies uh, some things that are pretty interesting about prayer. Is that, you know, somebody says, well, all that matters is that you try to pray. Not really. All that matters is that you try your best. Not really. Tell your boss all that matters is that you try your best. And it's not that God is up there judging our prayer to see if we are somehow worthy enough for him to answer. It's that prayer is constructed in such a way to work if we work it correctly. Amen? And so he's kind of clearing away the debris here in talking about the effective way to prayer. Now, let me say this as well because I think sometimes when we talk about prayer, Uh, Many of us came through legalistic type of religious type backgrounds, and we start to hear these words religiously or legalistic. And we start to check off in our mind, well, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. I must be wrong because I am wrong. 
we must lose those types of religious paradigms if we are truly to read the scripture correctly. Because can I tell you, Jesus is not up there with some kind of check the box saying, hey, I'll love you if you do it correctly. He's saying, I want you to do it correctly because the enemy has uh, created false notions of prayer that will not work because they're not uh, in a way that moves things in the earth, moves things in the spirit, amen? And so when we read these things, he is not challenging our unworthiness. He is inviting us into a realm that he has already made us worthy to get in there and experience, amen? So when you hear these words, I don't want you to think of them as an outsider, like, well, I'm not really good at that, and maybe other people can pray, but I'm such a mess up, and I know that God maybe has saved me, but I'm not sure I can do that. I want you to break those prodigal mindsets in your life and realize whether you have prayed effectively to this point or not has no impact on whether you are called to pray effectively. Whether you are called to pray effectively is rooted in one thing, who you are according to the word of God. So whether I have been successful or not has no bearing on whether I can be successful in the future. Would you please stop? Listen, stop predicting your future on the basis of your history rather than predicting your future on the basis of your destiny. Because listen, when God starts to talk about your life and my life and where he is pulling us to, he will never consult my past to determine whether I can get into my future. He will always look at the cross of Calvary and the intentions of eternity and say, son, if you can just get yourself aligned right, I'll bring you to the place I've always created you to be so come into alignment to who you already are and I'll break off of you every mindset that is not of me and bring you to the place I've always called you to be somebody give God praise if you believe he's that kind of God so Jesus says when you pray you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward in full already. So here Jesus is teaching, if you're going to pray, you've got to pray for an audience of one. Because if you pray in such a way that you're trying to get the approval of others, you move out of faith and into performance. So, trying to move on here, but is it okay if we just get stuck where we get stuck, right? We'll dig a ditch out later. I got a shovel. So, so we live in this culture that is so built on performance. And I'm not going to blame social media for it, I'm going to say social media might be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, it's just proof that it exists. So sometimes we base our self-worth on how many likes we get on a post because, you know, we're basing our self-worth on what people say. Sometimes maybe our spirituality, if we're not careful, is many times we're, we're wanting to do the right thing so that we might be accepted by who we think are the right people. And, and what Jesus is teaching here is, is kind of hitting that thing in the root, and he's saying, listen, let me tell you about prayer. Here's the first secret about prayer. 
you've got to pray for an audience of one. Not only because God is the only one that can ultimately answer the prayer, but when I pray for an audience of one, it begins to heal the part of me that thinks I need approval from an audience of 100 or 200. When you pray, and then he says this, go into your most private room and close the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you in the open. When you pray, do not heap up phrases, multiply words, repeating the same ones over and over as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their much speaking. Do not be like them for your father knows what you have need of before you ask him. And then pray for like this, therefore like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven, left, remitted, let go of the debts and have given up resentments. That's the amplified version against our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse 14, if you forgive those other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. <clears throat> I was, it was the mid-90s, and um, at that time I was working for a, a teen, uh, I guess a, a youth and young adult ministry. And we uh, did a number of things. We had <clears throat> Holy Spirit explosion meetings where we would go into cities and and we would preach to young people. If you want to learn how to preach, set, set like 20 young people in front of you and, you know, ex, you know, preach in such a way that God will move. So we would do these different types of meetings, and we saw God do great things. We uh, began to hold mission trips, and in fact, Heather was on this mission trip, and I want to share a story that I've shared often, but I, I want to open this series with this uh, illustration. We uh, took, I think, 40 young people to Piedras Negras, Mexico, which was a border town right across the border from Texas. In fact, um, I think it might be so. How, how many of you were with us on that? I, I don't know if any, any of the, uh, anyone else in here today was with us on that trip. Anybody? Just Heather? Just Heather? Uh, we went over and we uh, had gone a couple years and we, we rented the baseball stadium and we sent up, set up crusades. We had, I think, the first night 700 and then 800 and then in the thousands by the time uh, this crusade was over. We, had, um, we would preach. We had a very simple formula. We would preach, and then we would begin to listen for the gifts of the Spirit, and then we would pray for the sick, and we would give an altar call for salvation. One night I will never forget uh, there was a young girl, a, young, a mother that brought up her, her young girl to this platform. Uh, the audience was dark. There were no lights out in the audience. It was just well lit on, in this outside stage in this baseball stadium. And you could see her coming up, and she's carrying this little girl whose, whose legs were twisted, ankles are twisted, and as I understand, had never walked. She came up for prayer, and Heather and I believe two other girls, I remember praying for them, and, and they were praying their hearts out, praying for this little girl, and weeping and crying out, and we were praying and believing God for a miracle. And when we looked in the natural, there was no change to this, the, these little ankles and these feet and these legs. 
And so the mother took the little girl because, how many know sometimes, listen, we, we pray and then sometimes we wait for the manifestation. But you should always stay in faith. She took her little girl and she walked back down to the seat. And I, I believe it was 20 or 30 seconds later, we heard a, a voice and a, a screaming and a yelling. And this little mother came back up with her daughter and she came up onto the platform and through the interpreter began to say that something supernatural began to happen as she took her daughter back to the seat. She said, the power of God essentially came on this little girl's body and these, these little ankles and, and the leg began to straighten out as she held her little girl and she set her down and for the first time this little girl walked on that platform through a miracle from God somebody say amen and then she added this she says and not only did he straighten out the legs she said her feet were completely flat and she showed us the feet God put an arch in the feet because how many know God is into the details as I meditated on this miracle over the years, uh, I don't just think about uh, what I saw on the stage. I think about what happened earlier that day. Ty, you might have been there. Hannah, you might have been there. On these missions trips, we would get up every morning and we would, as a team, begin to pray for hours for God to do miracles in the service that night. And I'll never forget, Heather, your, your face as I saw you praying that night and I saw the miracle. It came up in my spirit at the moment. God reminded me of the prayer meeting that morning where they were interceding and praying and crying out to God. And the Holy Spirit said this to my spirit and has impressed on my spirit th this miracle message ever since. He said, the miracle that you saw uh, that night in the crusade was actually released hours earlier when these young people began to pray. Somebody say amen. Because when they begin to pray, they begin to create space that God could come and begin to fill. Somebody say amen if you believe that. I want to talk to, to today about this concept of creating space, but uh, we, we've been talking about the scripture, and, I, and I'll go through it quickly, but uh, everybody say, dig a ditch. In 2 Kings, the kings of Israel and Judah stood on the verge of a battle against a powerful army, but they had a serious problem. They had marched for seven days, and there was no water in the land to sustain the troops or their animals. They sought God's direction through the prophet Elijah, and God spoke, saying, make this valley full of ditches. In other words, God is saying, give me something to work with, create some space. The scripture says, now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by way of Edom, and the land was filled with water. The message is this, when they dug ditches, they created space. And when they did, the ditches became a creative space where God God did three supernatural things. First, the scripture says God met their need by providing water to refresh and sustain the army and their animals. Second, God strengthened their faith and vision for a future battle because God said, hey, listen, if I provided water here, that's an easy thing, and I want you to know I'll also give you victory over your enemies.
enemy. But the scripture says, interestingly, there was a third thing that happened, is God messed with the head of their enemy. Because when the enemy looked at the water that flooded the valley, the Bible says they, it looked like blood to them, and they assumed that the enemy, the armies of Israel had already been defeated. They assumed wrong. When we talk about digging ditches, I think we really should talk about digging ditches in prayer, creating space in prayer. Or in other words, what would happen if we begin to see prayer as a place that we dig ditches? I think three things would happen. Number one, God would meet our most pressing need. How many of you know when we begin to pray, our most pressing needs get met by providing water to refresh and sustain us and those that belong to us? We create space in prayer and it provides a place that God can bless our lives. Number two, when we dig ditches in prayer, God strengthens our faith and our vision for future victories. I'm going to tell you, every time I see a miracle that God does in my life through prayer, not only does it meet a present need, how many know it also strengthens my faith for a future victory? And then number three, I like this one. I dig a ditch in prayer in the same way that the enemies of Israel saw the blood. I think when I begin to pray, it messes with the head of my enemy. Somebody say amen if you believe that. Or in other words, I believe when I begin to pray and God begins to work, all the enemy sees when he looks at what God is doing, he doesn't get the refreshing that I get. He doesn't get the encouragement that I get. In fact, all he sees is the blood of the covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ because I pray. Somebody say amen if you believe that. Can I tell you what happened with Dakota was this. As we begin to pray that day, you know what? We were digging a ditch. When we came forward in that prayer line, we took our shovels out and said, you know what? We don't have the answer yet, but we do have the ability to create some space through our words. So we begin to dig in the name of Jesus. We begin to pray in the name of Jesus. And you know what happened? One week later, we saw that God answered the prayer and the rivers of revival begin to flow in the manifestation of healing in her body. I wish I could get somebody to amen and to help me in this Pentecostal church today. But not only is she refreshed, can I tell you this? Her miracle is going to be a prophetic word to everything that God is going to do in her life, in her brother's life, in her sister's life, in the Murdoch's life, in this church. We're going to talk about it over and over and over until it builds up faith and vision for future miracles. But can I tell you that the enemy that was against her soul is now shaking in his boots because when he looks at what God did, he doesn't get the refreshing. And he doesn't get the encouragement. All he sees is the blood of Jesus that was shed for Dakota, shed for the Murdochs, shed for Life City, shed for, come on, shed for Pickerington and Columbus and a world and a generation. Come on, somebody say amen if you believe in the power of prayer. Hold up your shovels, your shovelettes. I'll just, uh, we'll just start in today. So Jesus taught us 
Everybody say when we pray, we should pray in a way that we dig ditches. Everybody say, I can dig ditches that God will fill through my words. I was driving in, and I, I think it was the Holy Ghost. It might have just been me, but I think it was the Holy Ghost. It said, if you don't dig ditches for prayer, for me to move into, you will, through your words, dig yourself a hole that you have to climb out of. You're digging something. Every day we're digging something. So everybody say prayer is like digging ditches. Creating space for God to fill. So Jesus taught us that we should prepare a place to create space, right? I'm not going to reteach that. We taught that last week. Everybody say Jesus taught us to prepare a place to create space. Right? He said, and we read this at the beginning, but you, when you pray, go into your Go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in the secret place will reward you openly. So everyone say prayer involves a place. That place of prayer is the place in your life that hell fears the most. And that's why he will fight your prayer closet more than he will fight anything else. Someone says, well... Can I just pray in my car? Can I just pray throughout the day? Yes, because Paul wrote, he said, we should pray without ceasing. Well, isn't that contradictory to Jesus saying, you've got to pray in a room? No. It's two sides of the same coin. And without going too deep into it, I'll just throw this out there as kind of instruction. I believe that my praying without ceasing prayer life is directly affected by my discipline to have a place of prayer. Because it is in the place of prayer, in the morning, as my first thing of the day, when I do what Jesus said, shut the door and pray to my Father in secret, where God can come and just align things. Where the Holy Spirit's like a Holy Spirit chiropractor. How many feel like you need an adjustment in the Spirit, amen? Amen. Daily. How many, how many need a daily adjustment in the spirit? Because you went through some things and talked to some people, went through some stuff, and, and you slept and you got, have you ever slept like eight hours and fe- wake up and you feel like you got one? Many times it's because things in our spirit are, are not in line. And so what God wants to do is, is, is us to listen to the words of Jesus to say the first part of my day. David said, early will I seek thee, Why? I'm not trying to earn God's love. I already have God's love. I'm not trying to earn God's favor. I already have God's favor. I'm not trying to talk God into healing. I'm not trying to beseech him. And hopefully if I spend 10 minutes more, then God will move. God's already, you know, shared his intentions through the word. The problem is not God. The problem is many times I'm out of alignment to hear the voice of God. And to begin to walk in the voice of the Spirit. So I want a place of prayer so I can create space through my prayers that God can begin to work through. Does everybody get that? 
time is it? Okay. So I am not going to get through all of these. I'll give you a forecast. I'll start on the first one. Jesus taught, I believe. Next slide. That there are seven. I count seven. I count seven strategic spaces in prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive us those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That is not a prayer to be recited by rote a hundred times or two hundred times. It is an outline of spaces. Spaces that we can learn how to cooperate and listen to the Holy Spirit and where he can bring us into alignment where our words become authoritative and powerful before we've even left home. Space, a space of intimacy, a space of reverence, a space of authority, a space of provision, a space of forgiveness, a space of leading, and a space of praise. And I'm only just going to start here for a few minutes on this first one. And, and I am going to take my time through this. If it takes us all year to get through this so it can get through us, I'm going to tell you, The enemy has no answer for a man or woman of God with a prayer closet and a prayer life. No answer. How many of you are hungry for God to build your prayer life? The first ditch, first space is a space of intimacy. Everybody say intimacy. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9, in this manner therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When we begin prayer with our Father, we begin to dig a ditch that the Holy Spirit can fill with the revelation of intimacy. It's interesting that he talks about intimacy before he talks about authority. He talks about intimacy before he talks about provision. He talks about intimacy before he talks about forgiveness. Intimacy before prayer because it's like he's saying, I don't want you to rush into the power of prayer and miss the purpose of prayer, which is for our hearts to so intertwine Do you know where faith really comes from? Believing that God is absolutely convinced he wants to bless me. Prayer is stressful when I feel like I'm trying to convince an unconvinced God. Or when I feel like I don't belong in this place. Prayer is drudgery. You ever hang out with somebody and you weren't quite sure that they were wanting to hang out with you as much as you want to hang out with them? 
You ever felt that? Are you with a group of people and you're not quite sure you belong there? Seriously, how many times in our relationship with God do we fight thoughts, do we really belong? And then you see the power of the words of Jesus in this text. He says, hey, you're going to do powerful things through prayer. You're going to bring heaven to earth. You're going to work through issues of forgiveness. You're going to work through issues of deep bitterness. Who? Me and you, the Holy Spirit. We're going to get you through this. We're going to make you filled with my power. You're going to bring heaven to earth. But before you get there, I want you to remember why you're here. Because you're not a charity case. You're my DNA. Is it okay if I take a few minutes here? I know we, we just give me seven minutes. Can I buy seven? Can I buy seven? When we begin prayer with our Father, we create a space where we pray from a place of identity and rest rather than fear and panic. You ever prayed out of fear and panic? How many know God will answer those prayers? But it's not as strong as if you come in there knowing who you are. Number two, when we pray out of, when we pray the words our Father, we're praying like we're at home because we are at home. I shared this a few weeks ago. We were at our, uh, my sister-in-law, brother-in-law's, we were out there for vacation. And, uh, you know, it, it's home, kind of home, but it's still not my home. So, like, I'm, can, where do I put this? What can I take out of the fridge? Can I sit there? Do I sit there? I don't want to turn the TV. you just kind of a little not at ease, right? We get on the plane, we come home, and I come home, and I, we, we put our suitcases where we want them. We go and sit on the chair. We get in the fridge. We get what we want. We start, you know, with our kids, the inside jokes, all that sort of thing. Why? We relax because we are at home. And I wonder how often we pray to God in a way is where we're not quite sure that we belong here. We're not quite sure of that sense that we are at home. But I, I hear God saying, I want to build within you a revelation that when when you close the door and when you begin to pray, you are not praying to a distant deity that you don't know. You are praying before God that you can pour out your heart. You can get honest. You can get real. You can make bold requests. Listen, my kids never come and say, would it be okay if I had a glass of milk? Would it be okay if I ate the extra food? Would it be okay if we do this? They just open the fridge and they start tearing it apart. How many know what parents know what I'm talking about? What if we begin to approach prayer, not as the place that is a last resort that, listen, I've tried everything I can do, and I guess i got to try God, and maybe he'll listen to me. It will become the first place when we go, when we recognize he is a father that has brought us into his home, and I can rush into prayer and say, Dad, I'm home, and settle down, and begin to talk openly, and then begin to decree with authority, because we're not just praying and releasing words to a God that is distant. We're hearing the words of a father that is near and decreeing the words, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you mess with me, devil, you mess with my dad. So you better move over because I'm praying from a place of home. Somebody praise him if you believe that. I'll just tell what I'm going to talk about next week, okay? 
when we pray the words, our Father, we create a space where we learn to yield to the Holy Spirit who is constantly working to free us from prodigal mentalities. And I'm not going to go into it today. I'm just going to tell you this. Why would Jesus say, when you pray, pray our Father? Because our words give him permission to work in the areas that we're talking about. And when I begin to pray our Father, the Holy Spirit begins to work on prodigal mentalities. If you want to understand what Jesus meant when he said, God is your Father, then you've got to go to the teaching of Jesus. And probably his greatest exposition of what he meant when he said, pray to God as your father is found in a little story in the book of Luke called the story of the prodigal son. It tells the story of a, a rich kid who took his inheritance early and you know the story went into a hog pit and he spent it all and he spent it on prostitutes and prodigal living and he got to the point, watch this, it, it wasn't just the loss of his inheritance, it was the loss of his revelation of who God was to him that was most severe. Sin wars against the soul. It is never the act of the sin that gets us. It's the residue after the event that sticks with us that messes with us. So finally, he said, if I can only get back to my father's house. The Bible says he was looking at the, the hog food and he was thinking, that looks really good. But they wouldn't even let him eat the hog food. He came to himself and he said, if only I can get back to my father's house, at least I can be a servant there and I'll have good food to eat. So he starts to make this trek home. How many of you know the story? He makes the trek home. He left the home dressed to the nines. He left the home with millions in the bank account. He left the home looking like looking the part. He left the home presumably with hanger honors and, and, and a posse and people and, and people that celebrated him. He is coming home no longer with people that celebrate him, no longer with the clothes of a rich kid. If he has clothes, they are tattered. There is, there is the cake of, of mud and the cake of the dung of the hogs that is on his face. He is coming home now. He is no longer proud. His, his head is looking downward and he is walking hoping that he can just get back into the father's house only to realize that when he gets to the edge of the property, he sees somebody that is coming to meet him. Surely he must have thought in that moment that they've been waiting for him to come home. Somebody has been waiting to let him know you don't belong here anymore. Did he know that it was his father at first? Probably not. He looks off in the distance. He sees somebody hurrying. The presumption must have been, they're coming to let me know that this isn't going to work out. I've shamed my father too much. There's no way that I can even get back in the servant's quarters. But as he looked a little bit closer, as that figure got closer to him and his eyes began to brighten, he recognized this wasn't a servant that was coming. It wasn't someone in the house that was coming. It was that father, that, that man, that strong, rich man who would never have to rise 
rise from his place of authority for anyone. He didn't run to meet people. He didn't run to meet problems. He employs people to come and and do those things for him. But there's one thing that will cause this rich man in this in this issue in this era of in, of antiquity that would rise and say, "I'm going to run after that." And we know he ran to his son. And when he saw his son, this old man with tears that are that are flowing back in his face runs because listen, this old man won't be moved by much, but he will be moved by a child that says, "I want to come home to my God." And Jesus taught us something about the presence and the character of our God. And it's this, when you pray our Father which art in heaven, you're not praying to a bean counter in heaven saying you did enough good today, I might let you in. If you pray long enough, I might answer the prayer. When you pray our Father, you've got to see that there's a God that has never lost a battle. A God that when Satan challenged heaven wouldn't even get off his throne. I mean, think about it. When Satan fell from heaven, God didn't kick him out. God said, Michael, take care of my light work. But when you pray our Father, do you know who you're talking about? I'm going to listen, listen. You might have nobody that likes your Facebook likes. You might not have nobody that has called you this week. You might have had, you might be the person that everyone has rejected. But when you close the door and you lift up your hands and you say, Our Father, I hope you see the one that is coming. He is coming with tears in his eyes. He's coming with open arms and he's running towards you because the blood has been shed, because you belong to him and you are his child. Somebody give him praise. When we pray our Father, we are learning to yield to the Holy Spirit who is constantly working to free us from prodigal mentalities by revealing to us that the Father we often run from is running towards us. We'll pick this up next week, but I want somebody to know. I want somebody to be excited to wake up a little early tomorrow and shut the door in prayer because you know that the God you're getting ready to meet with is a God that has already run to meet you before you ever entered the closet. I'll probably get in trouble for this, but I'll make this uh, admission. I was back in the nursery before uh, the service. I went back there to talk to somebody that was serving back there about something. And I'm talking to, to Beth Pena, and I'm talking to her, and there's this kid down there just screaming his head off. And I didn't see who it was, and they're just talking and, and talking. And I looked down, and it's, it's my grandbaby. <laughs> it's, it's that quail blood in there. I, I just, you know, no. <laughs> And I don't know about you other grandparents, I do, I, I don't do no's. I only do yeses. I let the parents do the no's. But I looked down there and he was, and it, you know, there's, there's different cries, right? There's the cry of like, just I'm angry and frustrated. Then there's the cry of like, oh yeah, he, he's just really kind of, he's crying. And he's holding up his arms and I said, I'm not supposed to do this, but come on. And I took him up 
and I walked him around. Then I gave him up to somebody else. But I'm just saying, for illustration purposes, there's no way that I could say no to, that's my grandbaby. That's my, I, I, I'm his pop-pops. God is your father. He is your father. Yes, he is the creator. Yes, he is the almighty God. Yes, he is the God of the army of Israel, armies of Israel. But when we reach out in the morning and we say, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You better believe he's already reaching down to lift you up and to hug you and to wipe away the tears and to breathe strength. Come on, somebody. Strength on the inside of your soul because he's a God that responds to our cry for his help. Somebody give God praise if you believe that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this place today and you say, you know, uh, I'm not sure that I'm right with God. I'm not sure that if I was to die right now that I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure that I have that kind of relationship that you're talking about. I want to give you the opportunity to pray that prayer. Let's pray this prayer together, all of us here. And maybe you prayed this prayer together and you were just praying this prayer together with someone else. But if you're praying for this for the first time, I'm here to tell you that God will forgive your sins because of the blood of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will come on the inside of you and make you a brand new creature if you will call on his name. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today. Without you, I'm like that prodigal son. I've committed sins. I've been places I shouldn't be. I've done things I shouldn't do. But Lord, I long to come home. And I realize because of your word, at the moment I return, you're already running towards me. In fact, you have already run. God, you became a man. You hung on a cross for me. The blood that was shed on that cross was for the forgiveness of my sins. I receive that today as the cleansing power, the only thing that can cleanse my sin is the blood of Jesus. But I receive it today. Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you my spirit soul and body, all of me. Be the Lord of my life. I believe you died for me. You were buried for me. And after three days, you were raised to life so that I could have new life. Live in my heart. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Let's give God a praise if you believe that today. Come on.